Welcome, everyone. It's a wrap with rap. I am your host, Ron Rappaport. This podcast features people who have overcome life's challenges and adversities, people who can inspire and motivate, and people who can educate us on an assortment of topics. My guest today is Jennifer Cunningham. She holds a master's degree in counseling, is a certified coach from Coach Training Alliance, has coached hundreds of individuals on career and relationships, and more recently is focusing her work with individuals who have experienced humiliation or public trauma, which may have resulted from harassment, bullying, or something else. Jennifer helps people recover confidence after a humiliating trauma or loss, such as an unexpected job loss, public humiliation, false accusations, defamation, character assassination, or cancel culture. Jennifer's own personal incident of of public humiliation is what prompted her to want to help others get back to normal or better than before. Welcome, Jennifer, to the podcast. Well, thank you. Thanks so much for having me. This will be fun. Well, yeah, we're glad to have you. Uh, Jennifer, we always want to get to know our guests a little better. What was life growing up for you in your pre-work world? Uh, Pretty normal childhood. I grew up in um, Orange County, California, and that's in Southern California. And Dad was a yeah. Dad was a school teacher, and my mom worked in the aerospace industry. And uh, pretty, pretty non uh, non traumatic childhood, and um, just kind of you know followed the normal path. Went to high school, went to college, and then you know started my career. I've kind of shifted around a little bit in the career. Um, most recently, and probably the bulk of my experience has been in higher education. And um, have I've just uh, recently kind of transitioned out of that um, and just exploring my my options for the future. Great, great. What motivated you to study uh, the fields of counseling, organizational behavior, and, and conflict management? Well, I've always been interested in in human behavior, and when I got my uh, bachelor's degree in behavioral science, my intention was to you know go on and get licensed and become a a therapist. Um, and then, you know, I, I worked full time through all of my college education and never took out any student loans or anything. So I was always, I was always working as I was, um, earning my degrees and I just decided, you know, I didn't want to take a step back and, and go through the licensing route. Um, and really it's just been, uh, an interest in how people behave, motivation, um, you know, spirituality and, um, kind of, you know, just kind of getting over all of those things that the, uh, conflict management degree, um, kind of came by accident. I was working in a local government and one of the benefits of my employer was to, to get, um, you know, to get extended education. And so I took advantage of that and, and did that. And so, yeah, just, I, I love learning and, and I continue to learn. It sounds like you like like to help people too. Absolutely. So can you please share with us uh, your personal trauma and humiliation event with us within the confines, of course, of confidentiality and without naming names and places, uh, which seemed to be uh, a turning point in your life? What, what exactly happened? Yeah, that was the big pivot. Um, so I, like I said, I was working in higher education and um, the bulk of my work has been in career counseling. So I help people, you know, college students with their resume and interviewing and that type of thing. And then I, I took on a new role 
um, and it was um, it was kind of like a, a disciplinarian uh, kind of role and was really uh, making some really difficult decisions in that role and most of the time people you know usually someone wasn't happy with my decision so um, and then in the process of that I um, I began handling uh, sexual misconduct um, cases among the student body and um, you know there there was just a group of students who um, I guess just didn't like um, the way I was handling things and you know they uh, I came to work one day and there were posters all over the campus um, asking for my firing and calling me incompetent and um, and just you know really hurtful things and you know prior to all of this I had been quite the beloved person on camp on campus you know I had a whole yeah uh, lunchbox full of thank you notes from students that I helped. So I kind of went from, you know, from that to being the pariah. And, you know, some people, I guess, maybe could could roll with that a little bit better than I did. But, you know, I pride myself and I, um, I, one of the things that makes me empathetic is, you know, people that are empathetic are usually sensitive people. So it affected me really uh, deeply. And, um, so that's kind of that's what happened in a nutshell, and then you know through the course of that is how I how I started the business and and all of that. Well, you know that being said, I mean you, you really couldn't defend yourself, could you? Because you were you were probably doing conflict management, I would assume, and it'd be pretty hard, you know, to since everything's confidential with that. Uh, if they think you did something wrong, there's really no way you could have come out and told people, hey, you know, I, I'm doing the right thing. Yeah, that, that's absolutely the case. So, you know, I, I wasn't able to share any of the details, obviously, with with anyone, really, except for my boss who who knew. And right. um, and, you know, in in unraveling it all, um, the university that I worked at conducted their own investigation on the work that I did and and I was um, you know cleared and exonerated and you know I was they had right. um, made the decision that I was doing the right thing in the right way um, but there were still you know it, 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 it was a small school that I worked at and it really kind of developed this cloud that really followed me for a long time and then you know, students just didn't trust me and didn't trust the system, so to speak. Um, so it was really, it was really challenging. Um, and, you know, I slowly, you know, made my way, muddled through it. Well, it had to be frustrating. And, and did you, did you come to the conclusion that if people tell a lie over and over, people start believing it? Yes, absolutely. And, you know, there's this one quote, um, the truth a lie can travel around the world before the truth puts its pants on. And I've always remembered that because, um, you know, especially now, you know, with social media and text messaging and, you know, instantaneously yeah. somebody can say something and it's out there on Twitter and, you know, and to really get to the, the meat of it and to understand the truth, a lot of times you have to really, really dig. And most people don't have that time type of time uh, right, to really right. look into an issue. Right especially with the way the media is, you know, people, it's fast and, and it keeps turning over all the time. What were some of the things uh, that <clears throat> these transgressors were saying about you that caused uh, you so much pain? 
And how did uh, this event affect your health, uh, your career, doing your job, and, and even your marriage? Yeah. Um, they had quoted me as, you know, saying some, some things that, that I think any person born after the year 1970 would, would never say to someone that um, may have been a, a, a target of sexual misconduct. So, uh, you know, I was misquoted as saying all these horrible things like, you know, one quote was that uh, I had asked a student what she was wearing um, at the time that, you know, the person yeah. touched her. And I would never ask that. Well, I take that back. There could be a context for that, because if you're asking someone that's been assaulted um, to describe their clothing, uh, what you may be getting at is, you know, the access yeah. point of that. If someone's wearing a dress versus, you know, tight pants that have to be unzipped and I, I I'm trying not to be too graphic, but yeah. you can see how that that might be a, a legitimate question. The way you frame that question is sure. very important that you have to be sensitive to the person that you're asking. So um, really just, um, you know, those things. And I think the, you know, I, this may be another question that's coming up, but I think one of the uh, beliefs among this group was, is that my job was to be an advocate for, um, targets of sexual misconduct, and that was not my job. My job was to be an independent, non-biased fact finder, so that I could, you know, just the truth could be discovered, and um, and persons held responsible if they indeed were responsible for violating a policy. So I think a lot of people might have thought that I was supposed to be, you know, an advocate for the person who who made the complaint, and that really isn't wasn't my job. Did they question uh, your ability or your competency to do your job and things like mm -hmm. that? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. They did. And I think really it was just um, ignorance on many people's part of, of not knowing what the job is, what not knowing what the job was about. But the, the impact of those things was still very damaging and hurtful. Jennifer, um, how did this this affect your your health and and your doing your job and your marriage? Oh my gosh, it was it was a terrible time. Um, you know, I I mentioned on my website that you know I like wine. I I would normally have a glass of wine at night when I came home from work, and and you know through this thing, yeah. I, I was ruminating so much and trying to de-stress so much that you know one glass of wine turned into maybe three a night, and then I wasn't sleeping well. So and then I would show up for work being tired and, you know, not hung, hung over, but definitely not myself. Sure. Um, and then, you know, in terms of my, my relationship with my husband, you know, he just, he wanted his wife back. You know, I was just sad all the time and I was, I was just really, um, I couldn't quite get over it. I, you know, would just think about it all the time. And, you know, when I would go to school, I would just want to go in my office and shut the door and not talk to anybody. And, you know, my friends, too, and my family and everyone was very good at listening and trying to help me through it. But I think at some point, even they got tired of sure. it. They yeah. just wanted me to get over it and get yeah. on, you know, with yeah. life. But it's kind of it's totally it's like, natural. It's, it's like yeah. PTSD almost. Absolutely. It, it really is. It's a traumatic is. event. Yeah. You know, it's it with is. you 24 and, 7. It's easy for people to say, hey, get over it, but it's, yeah. it's you. <laughs> yeah. It's not that and, easy to get over. And anything that, you know, was, um, 
I could be re-triggered very easily by sure. um, by things like whenever I would get a new case, I would be like, oh my gosh, you know, I'm, it would it would pull up all of these things, so it, it made it difficult. And then in terms of career, you know, um, what I really wanted at the beginning was just to to leave my work work environment and get a new job. And I I tried a little bit, but what I as I stepped away from it, what I realized that I was just putting off a, a really bad vibe when I was in interviews and, you know, I, I was just not, not the right candidate um, because I was so, I was still yeah. anxious and, and not presenting myself um, in the right way. To well, you were probably so. walking on eggshells. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it, it, and I find that with the people that I work with, it really does bleed into those areas quite frequently. One, if not all of those areas are usually impacted. So do you have any idea, even now maybe, uh, what the transgressor's motivation uh, may have been to do this? It's a great question. You know, I, I tend to want to give people the benefit of doubt of the doubt um but i think maybe just um you know they just thought maybe they were doing the right thing and um and it, maybe it wasn't personal at all maybe it was just they they wanted to believe that they were um being activists you know for for a victim yeah. um that you know, that's really all I can imagine. I suppose there may have been, you know, some. I, I didn't really know these people, so um, there may have been one person that maybe I interacted with at some point that just didn't like me and wanted right. that. But I, I, I really don't think that's what it was. I don't think anybody was just targeting me to want to make my life, you know, hell or anything. But it, it was hell yeah. <laughs> for quite a while. What scared you the most as to what? the worst thing that was going to happen to you uh, from this event? Well, initially, you know, it crossed my mind that I would be fired from my job. I'd never been fired from any job in my life. Um, although they say, you know, that if you haven't been fired from a job, then you really haven't. <laughs> um, <laughs> I just finished reading Jenny Dalton's book of Butterflies and Bullies, and I learned so much about the subject as it pertains to girls in particular and young adults in general. It took Jenny 10 years to write this creative nonfiction book about her experience being bullied in the fifth grade. She wrote this book for the girls and women who were bullied or are being bullied as you hear this. The author wants those bullied women and girls to know that their wounds and deep hurt is real and felt by other people. You are not alone in this. The book offers a raw and honest portrayal of a 10-year-old girl that feels authentic. The book is a sincere story of a 10-year-old girl, Molly, who learns she has to find her own strength during a tumultuous and unexpected experience at a new school. The author was so moved by her own explorations into how bullying impacted her life that she felt that she should share her story. This book gives those bullied the ability to open the wounds which are nothing more than trapped energy and give them space to heal and get their life force back. Jenny believes bully girls need to share their stories and bear witness to one another to heal together. Reading this book can help you heal your wounds by peeling back those layers of fear and shame, reminding you that you are not alone and give you the energy for whatever is next in your life. The time period 
the book takes place is in the 1980s and is a nostalgic trip back to that time period for adults and gives young adults reading it a look at the pop culture of the period. The intention of the book is to bring increased awareness to the passive qualities of girl bullying and to inspire young girls who may be victims to know they are not alone and transformation is always happening. Nothing is permanent and nothing other people do can define you. The story is appropriate for tweens and teens and is a terrific read for adults as well. The book makes a great gift. The author's words are courageously accurate when expressing the wonder, doubts, and pleasure of being a child on the cusp of puberty. Maui's quest for authentic friendship, love, and acceptance will remind us all of the humanity of youth. This story is for all the bully girls out there. You are not alone. You are not broken. You are beautiful, whole, and full of possibilities. Hold your head high. Learn more how to get a copy through the author's website, www.butterfliesbullies.com, and Amazon in paperback, ebook, and audio via Amazon, Audible, and Apple. Information pertaining to the book will be listed in the podcast notes, podcast Facebook page, and website under the sponsor tab. You know, done, you know, done anything worthy, um, but uh, I had never been fired. So that was the first thing. Oh my gosh, am I going to lose my job? And and then kind of, you know, as I knew that that wasn't um, an option, I guess the, the other thing was that, once I did start my job search again, would anyone hire me? You know, would yeah, anyone yeah. find this information out? And and even though you don't, even though it wasn't true, you know, to try to defend yourself against something that's not true is 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 hard. And like you said earlier, you know, I, I couldn't, I can't tell the details of the the people involved or the stories. So, but yeah. um, but yeah, that's that's behind me now, thankfully. Yeah, thank God. How long uh, did this event last and what brought it to a conclusion? The, the incident itself was, uh, you know, a few months, but when you work in a university, right, each year, um, there's some students that return to the university. Some go on and graduate, but there's always a class that, you know, was from the year before. So, um, you know, during COVID, uh, I worked from home and um, I didn't have any uh, cases to deal with. Um, and then when I returned to work just recently, um, surprise, what I told myself was, okay, you know, so much time has passed since this incident. Um, I, I, I'm pretty sure that it's going to be, you know, this is, it's going to be a new uh, yeah, set of yeah. students. And I, I got uh, in front of it. But ironically, the first um, first couple weeks I returned to campus, it it kind of uh, reared its ugly head again, and then that's when I just said, you know, I, I think I'm I think I need to move on now, and my confidence, you know, at that point or now is a lot better than it was um, before. So I decided to to make that move. Yeah, which I'm sure was a good move. After things settled down. Uh... What coping mechanisms did you use and, and how were you eventually able to heal and let go of the negative aspects uh, of the event and explain to us uh, about post-traumatic growth? Mm -hmm. So I did a lot of work. You know, I, um, I had always, I'd never really been a, a religious person, but definitely a spiritual person. And, you know, there, uh, 
and I would, you know, throughout my uh, early adult and, you know, into my adult life, I always, you know, gravitated towards um, some spiritual techniques that would help me with situations. But then when things are going good in your life, you kind of, I don't know about you, but you kind of put that stuff on the back burner because, oh, everything's fine. You know, I don't need to do that. So then, so I started back with, you know, meditation and, and journaling. And then there's this uh, other form of therapy that is super effective called EMDR. And that stands for eye movement desensitization and I can't remember what the R is for, but EMDR. EMDR, got it. Yeah. It was originally um, developed by uh, a woman to work with, um, you know, uh, veterans who had come back from war with PTSD. And it's a very quick therapy. It's not, there's a little bit of talk therapy involved, but it's, um, it's, it sounds kind of, uh, woo-woo, um, but it has to do with the way your eyes, there's a technique where your eyes shift and it triggers brain waves. So anyway, I, um, I did EMDR therapy that helped tremendously. Um, and then I just really, you know, started to kind of get to work on forgiving, um, you know, the people that I, that I believed wronged me. And, um, then, you know, after I kind of got to a certain point, I thought, okay, Oh, I became familiar with this term, you know, post-traumatic growth. Yeah. Post-traumatic growth is when people who have gone through um, traumatic events, many much, much more traumatic than my event, um, they go on to do something better with it. I think similar to yourself, Ron, where you had an experience and you came out of it and you said, okay, I'm going to turn this around and make something good out of it where you can help other people perhaps. Um, so that's what I did. And so I thought, okay, I, I took myself through this experience and um, I healed and I have the background and to help other people who have experienced it. And oh my gosh, you know, when I started researching and, and doing work, I, I heard and read about so many people who had had, you know, horrible injustices done to them. I mean, nothing compared to mine. Um, and you know, one of my one of the other podcasts I've been on, the the um, you know corrected me, and they said, you know, even though it may not be what you think is traumatic as somebody else's experience, right. it was still your experience. So you know, that's what I was going to say. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't minimize your experience because I don't think my experience. Sure, I mean, uh, I went through uh, you know the male breast cancer thing. And you know, I was fortunate. I caught it early, and I didn't have to have the chemo or the radiation like like some of the other uh, men. But uh, you can't compare, you know, apples and oranges. I mean, everybody's experience is their experience. So I wouldn't minimize your experience at all. You know, I really wouldn't. Yeah. I, I agree with that. Uh, after letting go, uh, what did you do emotionally? Uh, uh, to feel better and what, and what has been the result for your persona? Yeah, I think some of those things that I mentioned, you know, just um, meditation and, and uh, the forgiveness piece is important, not to forgive the person or people, but to open up a space in your own heart uh, where something else can come in. So it's not, when I talk about forgiveness, it's not about 
washing away what someone did and you right. know, saying, I forgive you. It's really for yourself yeah. to create an opening where, um, where you can replace that, those feelings with, you know, better, more healthy, healthy feelings. So yeah, um, we did, a whole, we a, did a whole podcast on forgiveness. My first oh, podcast was all about forgiveness. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, just um, simple things too. like, well, I always tell people, you know, you want to talk about it, you want to write about it, if that makes sense. In fact, you know, I have some of my clients do a forgiveness letter, but they write it from as if they're the person who the transgressor, as if they're the transgressor writing back to themselves, apologizing. Right. Right. It's a very helpful and powerful um, exercise. Yeah, I we actually had somebody on the podcast a while back, and they actually um, they were victims of rape, I believe, and they actually went to the grave site of the perpetrator and oh, then wow. and read their letters. Yeah, mm. so yeah, so let's shift to uh, the work you're doing to help others right now. What types of people uh, come to you for for coaching? So a variety, but, you know, many that have had similar experiences um, to mine, um, you know, the, my, the name of my business reputation repair coach, I'm not sure is, is the most accurate for what I do, because if, I think a lot of people hear that and they think, oh, um, you know, PR, they, yeah. you know, somebody got in a bad situation and they need their reputation repaired. Right. So, you know, I'm kind of rethinking that a little bit, if that's what I want to stick with. That's what I thought when I first read it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's interesting. I get that feedback a lot. Um, yeah. So, um, but, you know, people who have had um, maybe been victims of workplace bullying or yeah. harassment, that type of thing, or an unexpected job loss where, you know, they've been going along just fine and then all of a sudden they're fired and they're like, whoa, what happened? And, um, and then this, you know, this council culture that is so uh, much a part of our lives now where you say one thing that's, you know, a, a little incorrect or that um, is not favorable to one group or another. And people just, you know, there's this mob mentality where people just, you know, mob. Yeah. And um, if you're, if you've experienced that, you know, that can be a type of client that I would work with as well. Um, but yeah, I've heard, I've heard many, many stories. Um, I did work with a couple people that were on the other end of um, being accused of sexual assault and who were fighting that ac that accusation. So um, that could be a potential client as well. Uh, how is the type of coaching uh, you do different uh, from, say, therapy or counseling? Mm -hmm. Well, you know, in therapy and counseling, you're really normally you're looking into your past and your childhood and how those experiences may be affecting you as an adult, which could be, you know, part of why someone comes to coaching, but the, the technique of coaching is really uh, a kind of uh, future-based and active versus past, you know, it's, um, it's kind of a person that would benefit from coaching would really want to just they would want to get in and start solving the problem immediately. Now that doesn't mean that you don't, you don't talk about what happened or talk about some things of a person's past that might come up, but you're not dwelling on that. You're not staying there um, in the past. You're, you're 
taking action steps to to move forward and to for the person to kind of you know get on with things and get on with their life so it's um it, that's not appropriate for everybody you know some people really have to go back to you know some of those childhood experiences to really get at the root of maybe what um why it's affecting them so uh, greatly yeah now of all the uh negative events uh that can occur such as defamation false accusations bullying what trends are taking place out there as far as to what event is occurring the most right now and and does social media is, is that is that fueling this or can you tell us about that yeah absolutely i think the you know the the cancel culture um is is really the the hot thing right now where you know someone just you can make a statement maybe something taken out of contest context and um people just you know if if it if it gets spread you know we talked a little bit earlier about social media yeah you can be you know quoted misquoted and have your name you know plastered all over the the internet in a matter of minutes really sure. um and and a lot of times without the opportunity to um you know kind of uh defend yourself defend yourself thank you yeah. <laughs> and um and i think you know i mean it, it's i don't I hope it's just a pendulum. I hope it's swinging, you know, in a certain direction, but I hope, and maybe some of these things do need to be called out. Um, you know, I think people have kind of, you know, sometimes you do get away with a little bit too much and a lot of people do need to be called out on things, but not in the way that it's happening. It's so, it's so hurtful when, you know, people just, this mob and, and nothing is, um, everything is just you know my way or the highway yeah and it reminds me of the of the old western days with the lynch mob yeah, it really does. exactly yeah. yeah no yeah no kidding and you know i think the political environment in the last couple of years has probably you know made this a, um tougher too for a lot of people but just exacerbated by social media and you know with social media right you can kind of hide behind your your tweet and your you know your facebook post because if you don't know the people that you're speaking to um there's a there's a you know a little bit of a barrier there so i yeah. think people are more daring and they they take more risks uh and what they say in social media but again that the impact that it can have on a person's life can be very traumatic and it's got to be tough for uh school kids Absolutely. especially bullying yes. yeah the bullying. Well, you know, we've all heard stories, right, where students take their own lives because yeah. they just couldn't escape um, what was happening to them. Yeah. And I'm sure uh, what you went through, uh, somebody who wasn't as strong as you or resilient, I'm sure uh, people have taken their lives over it, mm -hmm. especially if they're very sensitive and nothing like that's ever happened before. Yeah. Yeah. I. I often think of um, Monica Lewinsky. And, yeah. You know, she, um, what, 19 years old or 20 years old. And when yeah. she, you know, was uh, in the affair with Bill Clinton and really, you know, just was uh, just, you know, eaten alive after yeah. that. And she, she made it through. She really, she really made it through. But I, I, 
feel for her all the time. She's got a, there's a movie out called Impeachment that it talks about the whole scandal from her perspective. So I haven't watched that yet, but I intend to. It still has to be tough for her. I mean, you all, you hear, still hear Monica Lewinsky jokes yeah. all yeah. over the place and things like yeah. that. What are some stories you have heard of people who have experienced a false accusation or public humiliation? I think, I think our audience would be interested in that. Yeah, there's this one uh, woman who has a TED talk about her experience. Her name is Catherine Bosley. You can you can see her on the TED talk, but uh, she tells of this experience. She's a she was a newscaster in I don't know Ohio or somewhere, uh-huh. and she had um, just gotten her second cancer-free diagnosis. She had two t- different types of cancer. Just got notified of her second, uh, you know. Um, that she was cancer free for the second time. And so she and her husband were um, down in Florida somewhere and they, I think in the keys, she says, and they walked into this bar. They were there to celebrate and on vacation and they walked into the bar and um, you know, she was just so happy that she had got this great news and they were having um, a wet t-shirt contest. And for those of you who don't know, that's when a woman goes up there and they throw water on her t-shirt and people in the audience judge who has the um, best looking chest. (laughs) And um, so she was there and they were asking for volunteers and, you know, she just, she was like, you know, I'm going to do this wild thing. I'm down here. Nobody, nobody knows me. Nobody recognizes me. I'm, I'm I'm feeling, you know, I want to embrace my femininity again. And she did it. And, uh, you know, fast forward about six months, she's in her home on Christmas Eve with her entire family there. And she gets a call on her answering machine from someone she's never met before who says, your life is over, you stupid bitch. You know, I have you on film doing this. You're never going to work again in this town, blah, 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 blah. Oh, and my God. Was, you know, mortified. Right. So um, she sure enough. Um, someone had been filming that and recognized her as a newscaster and they fired her from the news station. And, and she, she goes on to explain how she had kind of stockpiled a lot of drugs during her cancer treatment. And she, there were many times where she was, you know, ready to, to take her own life, Sure. but she pulled herself out of it. And, um, but a huge public humiliation for her, um, that thankfully had, you know, a, a good outcome, but just, just like a fluke thing. And, and it affected her so greatly, but yeah, I've heard, I've heard all kinds of stories. Yeah, (laughs) What really uh, intrigues me is all the young people running around with cell phones in their hand, taking videos and they're all over the internet and somebody's bound to see it. Yeah. You know, well, interestingly, what she does now, she has become an activist and she goes around to high schools and, uh, you know, talks to high school students about this. Like you do not want to, you know, give your naked photos to your boyfriend and, you know, because it just, it gets out, that stuff gets out there and it just, it will haunt you and and it can, it can be so humiliating again, like, you know, with young people, especially that, they don't know how to process it and deal with it. And they end up, you know, just taking their own lives. Yeah. And the suicide rate is high now. Yeah, it really is. What are some of the mistakes people make going through this? That's, that's a good, um, good question. You know, part of what I did 
to get my business going is I interviewed people who had, you know, had mostly, you know, bullying situations, workplace bullying situations. And what they reported to me is they wish they would have seen it coming. They wish they would have been able to identify what was happening to them in real time before, you know, it culminated in something embarrassing or humiliating. So I don't know that there's any right answer to that. Um, because a lot of times these things just come out of nowhere. You can be going along with your life and you never see it coming. You know, it's like getting hit by a, a train. Um, but while you're in it, what you can do is get, you know, get as much help as you can, get it from anywhere, get it from any people, yeah. place that will listen, you know, talk about it. Um, even if your friends and your family get sick of it, you know, you still want to be able to um, have somebody that you can go to. Of course, go to therapy, um, you know, journaling, meditation, right. uh, being in nature. You know, all of those things can be very good steps to I think what you're, what, to what, you're, what you're saying is don't try to go it alone. Right. Okay. Right. What advice can you give friends or family members of someone who is experiencing this type of trauma? try to be patient with the person. Um, even, you know, a lot of times people aren't looking for an answer from their loved ones. They're just looking for someone to listen to them. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, if, if you're able to do that, you can really, that can really be helpful to the person. Um, encourage them to get help from outside of the family and, and friend circle. Um, you know, uh, try to, you know, um, boost their confidence and, um, help them, you know, process it, uh, yeah. you know, look for if, if it's possible to look for a silver lining in something, because, you know, sometimes these things happen and that's what prompts us to want to make a different, a, ch a change in our life in a di different direction. Absolutely. What is your success rate of recovery and what traits, uh, do people, who recover possess. Yeah, I don't have, you know, a percentage and each person comes with a, a you know, different set of issues. Yeah. So, um, but what I can say is, you know, the people that have um, been my clients, you know, they give testimonials and um, they report things that they, you know, got a boost in confidence. They were able to uh, let the situation go. They, um, they found the exercises and the techniques that I use to be uh, very effective things that they can go back to if they have a relapse, you know, because sometimes that's what happens too is, you know, people will be making progress and especially like in coaching or therapy, right? And then they, they hit, they hit a, a brick wall or they stop the coaching or therapy and then they regress a little bit. Yeah. So I've had it been reported to me by clients that, you know, some of the tools and the exercises that I provided during the coaching, they're able to go back to and redo and revisit um, so that, you know, they ha always have that kind of in their arsenal. That's um, good. Yeah. Do you have a favorite quote about this topic? I do. There's um, a man called, his name is um, Brian Stevenson, uh -huh. and he is the producer of a film called Just Mercies. Okay. And, or Just Mercy. And it's, um, it's actually about the prison system. And uh, the quote is, we're not the worst thing we've ever 
or we're not the worst thing we've ever done or the worst thing that has ever happened to us. And I really like that one because it because um, it's so true. You know, we've all done bad things and things we're not proud of in our life, but that shouldn't define us. Right. As well as, you know, if you've been an innocent victim of something, you also shouldn't let that define you. Um, there's always the, you know, the next step. There's always, you know, moving forward. And another quote is Winston Churchill. I think it was um, if you're, you know, something about if you're going through hell, keep going, <laughs> you know, <laughs> because if, you know, if you're going through something, you're going to get out of it. You just got to keep yeah. Keep pressing on. Well, you can't give easier up. easier said than done. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes if you give up, you know, it's over. Yeah. Absolutely. That's what I always tell people. Yeah. Based on your experiences and knowledge, uh, what advice would you give others to help them get through a difficult life challenge? Doesn't necessarily have to be this challenge, but just a difficult life challenge. Yeah, I think some of the things that we've we've already mentioned: perseverance and um, getting support. And really just recognizing that, you know, it's just life, you know, this stuff yeah. happens, this stuff that, you know, and if you, if you really, if you talk to people that have had meaningful lives or think that they've had meaningful lives at the end of their lives, you know, it hasn't been a, an easy ride for most people. Most people have overcome challenges and that's what's made them interesting people. And that's what's, um, you know, given them meaning in their life. If you can find some meaning and purpose out of these situations, um, you know, that's, I think the best that you can <laughs> expect, but it's just, it's just life. This is the human experience, right? Just yeah, it things sure happen, is. And um, you just got to deal with it. What are your five things you need to heal after a dramatic loss or life changed? And can you share a story or example if you have one? Um, so, uh, in, on my website, there's a, you know, a little free gift, um, that kind of, uh, outlines some tips to get people started on, uh, recovery. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the first one is obviously talk about it, uh, yep. find people or a person to talk about it with, but, you know, again, you don't want to stay there too long because there's there, if you stay with your story and you keep repeating it and repeating it, it's, you know, it just sometimes it drags you down, but, it, but you also, you, but you do need to be able to share it and get it out. Um, you need to write, write about the experience, um, write how it affected you, um, write um, a forgiveness letter. Um, you need to try to reframe it. You know, is there something in this situation that I'm not seeing? Is is there potentially something good that's going to come out of this? Sometimes that's a little challenging when you're in the midst of it, but um, it can be uh, like many people it can be what, you know, prompts them to do something that they never thought, you know, they could do out of it. Um, and then, you know, one thing that I joke about is seek revenge. And, and then I, you know, say, of course, you, that's not serious, but um, there can be some healing in pretending to, um, you know, seek revenge. So for instance, writing a kind of a revenge letter to somebody, what, you know, what you, uh, how the experience affected you and what you would like to see happen to them. Of course, you never, you know, want to yeah, you know, that it letter. <laughs> no. yeah. um, but it can be cathartic uh, yeah. in, in that way. So those are a few, 
a few tips, it, you know, in addition to the other really kind of healing things that I've mentioned, um, whatever that is for you. Some people find healing in being outdoors or being with animals or, you know, exercising or being active or um, reading anything and everything there is on the subject. Um, that can that can be helpful too. I think it just really depends on personal preference. But there are some of those basic things like, you know, talking about it and writing about it that are very helpful. Uh, do you have any uh, main takeaways uh, for our audience uh, as to how to move forward from an event like this? Yeah, um, again, I, I think just um, recognizing that we're all on the planet and um, there's going to be, you know, I, as I'm speaking, it, it reminds me of this other book that I read recently called um, The Art of Not Giving a F. And um, one of the things that the author talks about is that, you know, when when humans, when we don't have a problem to solve, we create problems because yeah. that's what that's what makes us uh, human is our problem solving ability. And um, the happiest people are those that can, you know, solve problems easier. But a lot of the problems that we as Americans living in a, you know, a, the richest country in the world um, have our first world problems. So if you really kind of, if you shift your perspective and you think about a lot of what most of the world lives like, yeah. where they can't have water and they don't have a place to, you know, a home or they don't have a place to, um, you know, uh, food uh, is always an issue. What what I experienced and maybe what some of your listeners experienced while sad, challenging, you know, and scary situations are for us, um, there's people with a lot bigger problems. Sure. Sure. Be grateful for what we have. All right. Yeah. Gratitude. Definitely. Jennifer, what are you most excited about going forward in your work? Do you have are, are you going to be writing a book? <laughs> oh, I've had uh, I've had a couple people prompt me on that. Never really, yeah, that doesn't doesn't appeal to me. But who knows? You never know. Um, never know. But the but I'm excited just really to get this message out because I know there's people out there who have had these kind of experiences and they're not necessarily shouting from the rooftops. You know that they've been humiliated, right? When we're humiliated. Right we tend to kind of go in inward, but I really am uh, excited about trying to, um, you know, become the, the recognized source for this type of thing and, and helping people get out of it because I know how debilitating it can be. Yeah. Um, I love doing these podcasts. So um, I hope that, you know, some of your listeners, if, if they are experiencing this or if they know someone, they will share this with them. Um, don't plan on doing a podcast myself, though. So <laughs> I, I think okay, I do no best on. no competition for me then. <laughs> no, I do best on the, you know, the one-on-one. -on -one and um, I do maybe uh, one thing that I have tossed around is kind of doing a group a coaching session oh, where, yeah. you know, someone isn't, they're not really paying a, a premium price, but a, a lower price in a group setting where people can learn from each other and heal yeah. with each other. Yeah, that would be interesting. So right now it's just one-on-one. -on -one. Yes. Okay. Jennifer, how can people contact you? So reputationrepaircoach.com 
and um, that's really the the center for all of the information for the download uh, freebie and for um, you know every person that contacts me and is interested in um, thinking about working with me is offered a free introductory session where we see if it makes sense for us to work together if I feel like I can help that person um, and so that's always free of charge and I love doing those uh, I, I try to leave that person with something you know to get them started on their yeah. healing even if they don't work with me um, over the long term I try to give something back but I'm also I have a, um, a Facebook page um, and you know, I'm trying to kind of get that going, and I am on LinkedIn. Um, LinkedIn, and so, okay. Yeah, and my my business is Oxygen Coaching Reputation Repair, but my website is reputationrepaircoach.com. Okay, so reputationrepaircoach.com would be the uh, the place to go. Yes. Okay, I'm going to include all that uh, information in the podcast notes. Jennifer, right. I applaud all your efforts. Uh, first of all, uh, in your recovery and the fact that you use that negative event as a catalyst to help others uh, going through the pain. I wish you good fortune going forward. It was a pleasure to have you on the podcast. And I know our conversation will help others out there who are listening. Uh, your comments and suggestions to improve the podcast are always welcome. You can email us at it's a wrap with rap at gmail.com. The website is it's a wrap with rap.com. Our Facebook page is it's a wrap with rap. We are on YouTube. All the episodes are on YouTube. It's a wrap with rap, the podcast uncut. We're on Instagram. It's a wrap with rap podcast. Thanks everyone for listening. Please stay safe. And for now, it's a wrap. Mm -hmm.